Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Come on, listen. I've been as guilty as anybody trying to tell God who he's not. Anybody? This didn't work out, so God must not be. Let me tell you something. The more you begin to declare who God is, according to who he says he is, he will come to life. It's not this, it's not this thing where God helps those who help themselves. That's not it. That's not in the Bible, by the way. It doesn't work that way. But God does not force himself on anybody. God's looking for willing hearts. He's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for broken people who were looking for him. And I'm telling you, if you're here today and you need that way maker, you need that miracle worker, come on, you need to know that today is a day for you. Like I said, if you came looking for a religious experience, I apologize. Not gonna find it here. But if, you're, if you came hungry, looking for a God who desires a relationship, who cares about the brokenness that you don't know what to do with, and wants to get you out of it, who wants to make you into a brand new person, come on in, in 2020 wants to do a new work in you, not, not a continued work, he wants to do a new work in you. So do this real quick. If that's you, you're like, I need that way maker in my life. Can you raise your hand? You got one hand in the air, take the other hand, put it on your heart real quick. Jesus, we declare today with our mouth, we, we in faith, God, today we declare that you are everything that we need, everything that we have ever needed, and anything that we will ever need in the future, God. Lord, we repent for trying to take things into our own hands. We repent, God, for trusting in sources that are inferior to you. Father, we repent, Lord, for, for not leaning into you when by your love and your grace you were calling us to you. God, we know you're not mad, but Father, we come before you and we ask, Lord, Lord, we, we give you permission to be you in our life. We give you permission to be the way maker. Father, we give you permission to be the miracle worker. Doesn't matter if we can see it, doesn't matter if we can feel it. God, we know that you're there. We know that you are real. We've seen you move. And God, we know that you will do it again and in a new way. And we receive it today. In Jesus' name, listen, before you sit, can I read this scripture to you and then I'll, I'll let you have a seat here just a second. This is kind of goes into the word a little bit this morning. In John chapter four, verse 13 and 14, Jesus said, anyone who drinks this water Talking about this market essentials. That's what he's talking about right here. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. Check this out. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them. It's within you. It's not from the outside coming in. This is, this is from within you, giving them eternal life. That's not just talking about heaven. That's talking about the eternal source of life that you can grab hold of today in this life, this side of eternity. How many of you are looking for that? How many of you say, God, I want that water. I need that in my life. I need that fresh 
that fresh bubbling spring within me. Come on, God's got something for you today. Father, we pray that you would open up our hearts, open up our ears to hear today, Father, what you're gonna say. Let our hearts be attuned to you. And God, no matter who's here today, no matter who we are, whether we've been far from you, whether we've never yet encountered you that we're aware of, or whether we've been walking with you for years, God, we all find ourselves on the same playing field in need of the same grace, in need of the same mercy, the same love, the same forgiveness, God. And we thank you that you are faithful today. In Jesus' mighty name, can you say amen? Amen. amen. Go ahead and grab your seats. Grab your seats, grab your Bible, or if you have it on your phone, on your Version Bible app. We already went to John chapter four, and we'll come back to that another time in this message. We'll see, we'll see how far the message goes, we'll see how far my voice goes. <laughs> we'll just see, we'll see how this goes. But I know God's gonna do something special today. Isn't it good to know, listen, listen, I've been there. I've been there in those life moments where you just have to say that God loves me, even though in the moment maybe you don't feel like God loves me. We get so trapped in this human thing which, which tells us that we have to listen to our feelings, that we wanna be, we wanna be guided by our, by our heart. Anyone tells you follow your heart, don't listen to them, they probably mean well. But don't follow your heart, follow the heart of God. I don't know about you, but my heart can be a little bit messed up sometimes. My heart can tell me to zig when I need it to zag, you know, you know what I'm saying, okay? And so uh, I'm gonna encourage you today, lean into the heart of God, lean into the reality of heavens, even if you don't see that reality yet coming alive for you, okay? And, uh, and if any, any point you can no longer understand the subtone, baritone of my voice, then just close your eyes and receive from the Holy Spirit. He'll take care of the rest, okay? <clears throat> Listen, we've been doing for a few weeks this new series for a new year, a new decade called New Wine. And uh, in, in case you're new and you're wondering, you know, where you can get a glass, that's not what we're talking about right now. Uh, new Wine, wine biblically has always represented uh, new life, joy, uh, abundance, Favor. It's always been this, this uh, analogy, this, this metaphor that's been used to describe the things that God is doing to bring life into somebody or into a season or situation. And, and, and what we're trying to hit on going into this new season of time is that God's not trying to do the same old thing anymore. He, he, he's a God who is infinite. He's never running out of things to do. He's never running out of ways to do it. He's never running out of new things that he wants to produce in your life. And sometimes we, because we're humans, right? We're humans. And so sometimes we get stuck in that same as it has always been and we get comfortable in it, right? We get comfortable in the things that we don't have to think about. We just do it and we get a routine and everybody loves routine, not everybody, but most human beings, most normal people love routines. All you not normal people like me, by the way, <clears throat> only like a few routines, but God is always trying to do something new because he's trying to paint a picture to you of the infinite nature of who he is. So what, what God did in 2019, it was great. It was fantastic. Some of us had better years than others. Some of us had some high highs and some low lows. Some of us just kind of made it through the middle. But listen, regardless of your experience from last year, God's not trying to recreate 2019 in your life. Can somebody say Amen. Some of you are like, that's good news because I don't want to recreate 2019 in my life. I'm, I'm very happy with a new season. But listen, we need to embrace the fact and then lean into what it means to understand what God is trying to do now. I do believe it's, it's not just symbolism. It's not just 
Uh, it's not just uh, spiritual hyperbole. It's not just, you know, hey, it's a new decade, so God's going to do something new. No, it's not like that. But I do believe that there is a, there is a consistent voice that is being spoken around our world as we lean into this year and decade, 2020, a year of a perfect vision. It won't happen, if I, if I know the years and the, and the math right, it won't happen for another thousand years, is that right? Something like that. No, that's not right either, is it? 2020, it's never gonna happen again, okay? Don't count my math, I don't know. But listen, 2020, perfect vision. Doesn't mean everything is gonna be perfect this year. But it means I do believe sincerely that there, is a, that there is a voice of God speaking through his people and through the church that he is wanting to do something that has been leading up to this point in our world and in our history and in our nation and that the church is the carrier of what God desires to do. <clears throat> so if you remember from last week, if you weren't here last week, that's, that's okay. I talked about how uh, this scripture where Jesus says you don't put new wine in old wineskins. Because new wine has to expand and ferment and it bubbles. And if you put it in an old wineskin, it's going to blow up, which ruins the skin and ruins the wine. It's all ruined. You have to put it in a new wineskin. So listen, what God wants to do in you this year, don't try to fit it into who you were last year. Whether you were great last year. But I was, that was my best year yet. I was living my best life, Pastor Craig. Y'all remember that series? That was fun. Anyway, I think everybody did that last year at least once. You were living your best life in 2019, but it's still not good enough for where God wants to take you this year. He wants to do something new. So let's chalk up 2019, good, bad, ugly, I don't know, and say, okay, it's done, it's behind me. Like Paul said to the church, he goes, I press on to take hold of what is ahead of me. I press on, I'm moving forward with faith, faith forward into what God desires to do through me and in me. We also talked about how you don't put wine into a wineskin just so that forever it can hang out in the wineskin. The vessel is meant to contain something so that at a later time it can be poured out. And why? Why is it going to be poured out? Because it's going to be sustenance to somebody else or to something else, or to someone else. So, so I was, I was kind of thinking of like, all right, well, how do we, I kind of wanted to go further in this week into talking about how, how to prepare yourself as a vessel. But the more I kept thinking about just that word vessel, I felt like God was trying to show me something that hopefully, hopefully I got, hopefully you'll get something out of it today in the few moments that we have. Throughout all of scripture, there are consistent stories where the, 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 the essence of what is taking place is happening through a vessel. In 1 Kings 17, there's the prophet Elijah, and, and there was a huge famine all throughout the land at that time that he prophesied, by the way. It's his fault. And so, but he's still feeling the effects of the drought. He's thirsty. He's hungry. He's being persecuted. God tells him to go to this town, this town called Zarephath, and he goes, you're going to find a widow there, and you ask her to give you something to eat. So he goes there, asks her for something to eat, and she's like, he finds her collecting some sticks. And she says, well, I would love to, but I don't really have anything. As a matter of fact, I have enough to make one more cake of bread. I'm going to give some to my son, and I'm going to eat some myself, and we're going to die because we have nothing left. And Elijah, being the man of God that he was, he said, that's great, but first, can you make me a cake? I'm, like, I'm sorry, what did you, what was that? Typical preacher, always trying to, no. That's not how it works. He was doing that, not because he was a jerk face, but 
because God was asking him to do something because God was about to do something. And so he, he told her, he said, listen, as long as, because she was like, all right, I'll do it. And then he told her, as long as this drought continues, your vessels will never run out of flour and oil. And, and it said, that's what happened. Every time she went back, there was always more flour. There was always more oil. An obedient vessel will always be a vessel that God is faithful to fill. Not obedient to what you're trying to do for yourself, but obedient to what God's asking you to do for others. And it says that once the drought was over, the rains came and they were able to have crops. And, and, and at that point, she was able to restore uh, her sustenance naturally. But until then, God was faithful in those moments when everything else was given up. But then you go a little bit further, there's another story with, with a guy that came after Elijah, Elisha, a little similar sound there. And for him, there was a guy that used to serve him and served on his team, that's my verbiage, but he passed away and his wife was a widow and there were creditors coming to take everything from her and, and he wanted to do something for her because uh, her husband had been so faithful. And he said, listen, this is what you're gonna do. He goes, what do you have? She's like, I literally have one little jar of oil. That's all, all I got. I just have this one little vessel. And he says, go to your neighbors, go all around the town and get every, collect every single vessel you can find. And he goes, and until you keep finding more vessels, that one jar will continue to fill all the other ones. And, it's, and she did it. And it says they went and collect every vessel that they could possibly find. And every single one was filled to the brim from that one vessel. Because she was willing to trust a crazy man of God who was willing to be crazy enough to say something that God was saying. And it says that as soon as, listen, as soon as the vessels were no more, there were no more vessels, the oil dried up. That in itself is something that we could preach on and talk about like, don't always allow yourself to be a vessel that's being poured out and empty, poured out and empty and refilled because the moment that you no longer allow yourself to be available as a vessel for God, the anointing that God has in your life will dry up. But the more that we keep ourselves open and used and I just feel used all the time. It's good. Be used by God. Be, let him use you. He won't abuse you. He's just going to use you. But the more you get used by God and poured out, the more you have the opportunity for God to fill you again and and so there, there's stories all throughout Scripture, even in the New Testament. The first miracle of Jesus, John chapter 2, was where he turned water into wine. And some people joke, when I, the way I grew up, you know, we've been trying to turn it back to water ever since. You know, anyway, that's, that's a preacher joke, I guess. I don't know. That one didn't land. Anyway, okay. But Jesus, he, how did he do that? You see John chapter 2, and they're at a wedding. They're at a party. Now, back in these days, I'm so glad I live in the day in which I live. Weddings were like a week-long festival. Some of y'all don't even like to go to weddings, period, let alone, hey, we're doing this for a week. Okay. Do I still need to bring a present? All right, I don't know. A whole week was a festival, and usually the whole village, the whole town was invited. And so they ran out of wine, which is like the most embarrassing thing ever. Like, you just don't do that. It's, it's a shame on the family. And so... Uh, somebody came up to Jesus' mother. Why they came up to her, maybe they knew something. Maybe they kind of seen Jesus doing some cool stuff when he was younger. They thought maybe, I don't know. But they said, hey, we're out of wine. And Jesus says, get, get Jesus, come here. Jesus, come here. Yes, mama. You know what to do. Mama, actually, <laughs> actually what Jesus said, he says, woman, it's not my time. You know, cultures may be different now than then. 
If I told my mom, woman, it ain't my time, smack, it's time now. Be like, oh, okay, it's time. I'm ready. Okay, good. Sorry. I'm so sorry, mama. I, I know I, I'm not Jewish, but just looking at the culture, I'm still thinking that he didn't quite get away with that. I mean, he's Jesus and all, but come on. Because he goes, he's woman, it's not my time. You could just insert picture, like the face of the mother, like, what did you just say? Because her next statement was, do whatever he says. So he's like, I guess it is my time. Okay. It says he told a couple of the, the attendants at the wedding to go get six jars, and these would have been jars that they kept water in for serving. It says these were jars that would have been about 20 to 30 gallons. And he says, fill these jars with water. And he says, he filled them up with water. And he says, now dip the cup and take it to the, the master of ceremonies. And if you've read it, you've heard it, the guy's like, this is incredible, what's going on? Usually you serve the bad stuff, I mean the good stuff first, and the one because they've been there for a week, so they've been having a few of these. And when they don't know the difference between the good stuff and the bad stuff, then you bring the bad stuff out, and nobody knows the difference, right? And he says, "But you've saved the best for last, because the new wine." Because you're like, "Well, new wine has to have a process." Has to first, when Jesus does something new, his process is so much faster than you think. The new wine that Jesus brought into that moment was ready instantly to be poured out and served and used for other people. But that new wine doesn't happen if there aren't empty vessels. So the question that I have for you, actually it's more of a statement before we get into the question. Listen to this, emptiness is the beginning of fulfillment. Think about this, I want you, if you're taking notes, you should be taking notes, because you gotta, this will be stuff you, you, you meditate on, pray over, study, think about during the week. Talk to your friends about during the week. Emptiness is the beginning of fulfillment. Now, I'm willing to say that every single person in this room or who hears this message can identify with emptiness in some way, shape, or form. You may be thinking that what I'm talking about is a positive version, and maybe it is, but we've all in some way, shape, or form experienced a negative version of emptiness. Am I right? Whether it's relationships that aren't going well and and, uh, and you just feel empty or, or it's, you know, sometimes I, I know that in, in the world in which we live, and it's not new, but it's just more aware now that, that people struggle with that feeling of emptiness inside of them. You can even look on the outside like everything is going right, but you look on the inside and somebody just feels empty inside. Emptiness is the beginning of fulfillment. But here, here's something that's interesting. Emptiness is not sustainable for a person. Emptiness is not a sustainable condition. Nobody can handle that for a long period of time. And it's, I find it interesting that no matter who you are, within the nature of every single human being is that uh, survival need to know that if I'm empty, I need to be filled. It's in every single human being, but here's, here's, where, we, here's where we struggle, right? We begin to fill it, our vessel, with things that are not giving life. We begin, check this, there's this one verse, I love this proverb, it's in book of Proverbs chapter 27, Proverbs somewhere around the middle of the Bible, but it's like, it's, it's called the, the book of wisdom. I encourage everybody to read it. But chapter 27, verse seven, it says this in the Passion Translation. He says, when your soul is full, you can say vessel right there, when your vessel, when your soul is full, you turn down even the sweetest honey. But when your soul is starving, when your vessel is empty, Every bitter thing becomes sweet. So let me, let me kind of reword a little bit. When, you're, when your vessel is full, there's no room even for what is good. But when your vessel is empty, desperation can lead us 
to fill it with anything, even if it's not good. When there's an emptiness inside of you that's craving an intimate relationship, I will guarantee you that 100% of the time, God is after that part of your heart because he's the one that desires to fill that emptiness with the relationship with him. But human nature, for many different reasons, tries to fill that with people. And I understand why, because we are humans that see natural things. We're like, well, I'm having a hard time visibly seeing God, so, you know, but I can see him or I can see her. Maybe that's going to be the one that fills what I need, only to fill it to realize that I've just put something toxic inside of me. So we need to get to a place in our own lives. Are you all awake this morning? I'll make sure. I mean, I've heard some noise, but y'all kind of quiet. Maybe y'all just thinking about it. Just thinking. Thank you so much. Anyway, so we need to get ourselves to a place where we learn how to be comfortable with healthy emptiness. And then from that state of emptiness, we learn what to put inside of our vessel so that we can be used by our creator to bring life to those around us. The more that we fill our emptiness with the things of this world, you know what's crazy? Even though we're full, we still feel empty. I always hate to to make these analogies connect to eating healthy because I feel instantly convicted. (laughs) But it's like sometimes you eat garbage and in the middle of the night you wake up and you are starving. You're not empty. (laughs) Okay, I'm not empty. But for some reason, I'm starving. Then other times, you eat the right things, and not only does it keep you from starving, it kind of it fuels you. It fuels your body. So there are times when you are putting the right things into your body, and maybe even there's room for more, but what the healthy things are doing in your body is fueling you so much that you don't feel the emptiness inside. Now, we read John chapter 4 to begin with, and that was kind of, kind of in the middle of a, a pretty cool interaction that Jesus was having with, uh, it's kind of that passage is known as the woman at the well. It was, a, it was a woman that, she had a rough background. You know, we get a little bit of the backstory, but not the whole thing. But we do know because Jesus prophetically was able to call her out on where her life was, not to judge her, to point her out, but to let her know, hey, I'm God and I'm aware and I still love you. She's like, you know, I ain't, I ain't got no husband. He's like, yeah, that's right. You've had five. What? And the one you're with, the one you're living with right now, that ain't your husband either. Like, wow, this got awkward. All right, let's talk about religion. Okay, no. But in this particular situation, that's where this passage came from that we started with. Because he was like, hey, can you give me some water? And that's how it started. That was his intro. That's how it started. But then he's like, you know what? Um, I can give you water that you'll never have to come back to this well ever again. She's like, can I give me some of that water? He's like, I don't know how you're going to get it. You don't even have a bucket. And, you know, she didn't understand at the time. So this conversation happens, and all of a sudden she does have the realization that he, she says he could be the Messiah. He could be Jesus, our, our Savior, and runs back to the town and literally tells everybody, hey, he just told me everything I've ever done. And it's the town, so they're like, yeah, we, yeah, we know too, you know. He's like, yeah, but, but he didn't know me. I think this might be the Messiah. I think this might be Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. So they all come and check it out. So the reason he stopped at the well is because they've been walking. Jesus and the disciples, they've been walking for a long time. They were exhausted. Jesus physically was empty and exhausted. 
And so all the disciples left Jesus to go to get McDonald's to bring him back to Jesus so he could get something. So by the time they come back, it's about the same time this woman's walking away from Jesus. And, you know, they were like, that's kind of weird that Jesus is talking to her, but we're not going to say nothing about it. We'll just give him his happy meal. So they come up, and Jesus is like, no, I'm good. <laughs> Jesus, you were, did she give you, like, a loaf of bread? Like, what I did? Did you have a, a snack, like a, like a lard bar that we weren't aware of? What's going on? And Jesus is like, no, you don't, there's a food that I have that you don't know anything about. And that's doing the will of my father. When, when you begin, here's what's crazy in the kingdom of God. Everything's backwards for God. If you want to receive, then give. If you want to lead, then serve. If you want to be on top, then get yourself down on the bottom. Like the kingdom of God works differently. If you, if you, want, to have, uh, if you want to have a better life, then lay the whole thing down and let somebody else take it. You know, it's, it just works backwards. So even in the kingdom of God, when you are emptying yourself, it actually can fill you. We live in a world where we are so fixated on our natural state that we miss out on opportunities that God is placing before us to pour ourselves out because physically we think we don't have anything to pour out. And so here's the deal. We're talking about you need to get empty today. My goal is before you leave today that you are emptied and ready to be filled. So are you, emptying basically just means are you making room for something new? What in your life do you need to empty so that you can make room for what God wants to do? What, let's get real, is that okay? What relationships do you need to empty to make room for what God wants to put in your life? Some of y'all have been hanging on to dead weight let me be careful. I ain't talking about marriages. You need to sew into that bad boy. Somebody was like, praise the Lord. I always knew that you were dead weight. New wine. You know, it's like, no, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Wait a minute. You said I do. Now keep doing. Okay, anyway. It's just extenuating circumstances. I get it. Moving on from that. But listen, there's dead weight that some of y'all have been carrying around, and you've been doing it under the, the unhealthy uh, uh, terminology that, well, I'm just a faithful friend. It doesn't do you any good to be a faithful friend when all the life is being sucked out of you and you're being trampled on and you're becoming the very toxic thing that you've been trying to help in somebody else. Listen, it's, well, I'm supposed to love them like Christ loved me. Yeah, but sometimes you got to do that from a distance. Sometimes you need to empty yourself and create space. Doesn't mean you're hating on somebody. Doesn't mean you're giving up on somebody. But it's not going to do you any good if you're toxic to try to help somebody who's toxic. It's the blind leading the blind. You need to get healthy. Some of you are so filled with your financial commitments and the extra things that we do. Do you know the average person spends $2,500 a month that they don't have budget for? And it's on miscellaneous things. That's just average. Some of you are like, not me. It's like, maybe you're on the low end. Okay, that's all right. I ain't judging you. Kicking water bottles down here. You know, like the extra Starbucks, the extra going out to eat, the extra whatever it is. I needed those shoes. I can identify. <laughs> but that's why I stick to clearance. Y'all got it. That's my accountability and my wife as well. So, <clears throat> but some of you guys is like, I want you to do this for this person. And you can't because you've become so filled with your own financial obligations 
that you have no room and no margin to be able to be generous and sow when God says so. This, is, this may be unspiritual, but sometimes it's the natural things that open us up to spiritual realities. Just because you got a raise doesn't mean you need to raise your level of expense. Some of you need to stay at the $14.50 an hour, even though you're making $25 an hour, and put that money away. Get out of debt. Begin to save. Begin to open up your generosity to your local church in the kingdom of God. Be able to say, hey, maybe I do feel like I'm supposed to give that dude on the street corner a 20. I feel like I'm supposed to, but I just spent it. Well, now you can't. Is this too, is this too like, <laughs> like, somebody like, I didn't come here for a financial seminar. Okay, whatever. Anyway, just trying to keep it real. My voice is hanging in there pretty good. Although that kind of cracked right there a little bit when I said that. <clears throat> How do you get empty the right way? Here's one. Spiritual-led evaluation. Spirit-led evaluation. Take time to pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to let you know what needs to go. Here's the second one because this ties into that first one. Spirit-led accountability. And if, if, if you're new, you're like, what's the spirit-led? Well, then forget that. Forget the spirit-led part. Just say accountability. And here's accountability I'm talking about. People that are Jesus followers yet are ahead of you. Sometimes like, well, I got friends that hold me accountable. That's great. But that usually doesn't work out great. Because when you're at the peer level with somebody, they may or be strong, they may be weak. And you're relying on the wisdom of the moment. You're hoping they're strong, but they may be weak. And they may be wanting to unintentionally bring you down to make them feel better about their own weakness. But when you're going to people for accountability who are, have established themselves as living at a higher level of, of maturity, accountability, and fruit that's been produced in their life, then that's somebody who will be able to pull you up to a higher standard. That's another reason why you need community. You need people around you who are going to hold you accountable. Accountability is not a bad word. Accountability is a big part of love. Because if you love somebody, you will hold them accountable because you know that you want them to be healthy. But when you don't truly love somebody the way that you should love them, you don't care if they do great or not because if they don't do so good, it makes you kind of feel better about where you are. I didn't expect to get this real this morning, but that's just kind of what's happening. It's okay. Evaluation. Be real with yourself. Accountability. Now check this out. What has been empty must get filled. You cannot leave yourself empty. Here's one more verse for you. That's okay. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus speaking, verse 43 and verse 44 now. In the context of what Jesus is saying right here, he's speaking specifically to a scenario where people who have either been demon-possessed, yes, that's a real thing, or have had spiritual, like negative spiritual issues in their life, but it's been dealt with, whether they've been had a, an evil spirit cast out or whatever it may be, this is what Jesus says. He says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert. Around here, that's the high desert. Anyway, seeking rest but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person that I came from. So it returns, finds the former home empty, swept, and in order. You're like, well, that sounds good, right? That's a positive thing. It's, it's cleaned up. It's empty. It's in order. It says, then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they will enter, uh, and they all enter the person and live there, and so the person is worse off than before. 
because that will be the experience of this evil generation. Listen, he's speaking uh, in specific context to a very supernatural realm, but it is a 100% principle that can be applied to your life of being empty and getting filled. Empty the stuff out of you that shouldn't be there, but don't leave it that way. Don't stay empty. You got to fill yourself. So that kind of gets us to our final transition thought here. Y'all doing okay? Okay. Y'all still, am I still audible? Can you still understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Okay. How do you fill yourself? I'm just going to give you one one phrase here, okay? It's called spirit-filled saturation. Spirit-filled saturation. This is not religious. This doesn't mean, you know, upping your religious duties and religious game. That's not what we're talking about. Spirit-filled saturation. Now listen to this. Saturate your life with so much of the things of God that it literally flushes out your soul and your spirit of what shouldn't be there. You can even take, I was going to do an analogy, but, but it would have been messy and this isn't our place, so I didn't want to mess up their carpet. But you can take a, ta- a container that's filled with dirty water and put a line into it that feeds it clean water, and you can flush it to the point where the dirt that's in it comes out of it and what's left in it is clean. And that's really so much of what we need to do in our own lives. Sometimes emptying doesn't mean everything's out. It means that I am filling myself so much with the things of God, the presence of God, uh, the, the supernatural things that God is trying to do inside of me that it literally purges me of the things that shouldn't be there. The Bible talks about how fresh water and salt water cannot coexist together. So the more the fresh water is coming in, And the more that you receive it and open up to it, you may not be perfect. You may not have it all figured out. You may not know how to read your Bible or how to pray. We want to help you with that. But if you can get yourself to an environment where the presence of God is going to be there and where the people around you are going to usher in the presence of God and accept you and love you and let God be God, it will fill you with so much that it will begin to flush out what doesn't need to be there. So this is where we're done, going back to that original verse. John chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Anyone who drinks this water, natural water, will become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give, this is water that Jesus wants to give to you today, will never be thirsty again. Listen, this, this is important. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. So much of what we try to get to improve ourselves spiritually We think we have to get it from the outside. But when you receive Christ into your life, the Holy Spirit comes, the Spirit of God himself, comes and makes his home inside of you. That means that you don't have to rely on outside sources to be the primary source to feed and to fill you because you have the the fresh, eternal, everlasting spring of God inside of you. You just have to tap into it. So how do you tap into it? Here you go, three things. This is like our fourth, third thing. Okay, something like that. Three primary sources of filling. His word, that's this thing right here. That's the Bible. Yeah, we believe in this whole thing. Do we understand everything that's in here? Not all the time. But I have faith that God has put his life into this and that his words give life to me and to you. You cannot be a vessel to carry the new wine that God has for you without making this right here 
a significant priority in your life. It doesn't make you more spiritual because you read it, but it does fill your vessel with what needs to be filled when you read it. Even when you don't fully understand what you're reading, don't write it off and put it to the side. Your spirit will understand what your mind does not. And there will, I can't tell you how many times I have read the word of God and there, you know, you ever read through it and you're just like, all right, yeah, that was great. Anyway, got it done. Check, read the Bible today. But like months later, years later, I'm in a situation and I need some life and this verse will pop up in my head. This verse will pop up in my heart that it strengthens and encourages me. And I'm like, where was that? I don't even remember reading that. But I know it came from the times, even when my mind was unproductive, but my spirit was alive and receiving. Don't allow what you don't understand from scripture keep you from scripture. You will get yourself around people that will be able to explain more things and help you understand. And you yourself will grow in your ability to understand, but you have to have God's word to fill your vessel. You also have to have, second thing is presence. The presence of God. Well, isn't that already in me? Yeah, the spirit of God is inside of you. But that's not the fullness of the presence of God. There's this thing that gets used in scriptural understanding and teaching to describe the presence of God. It's called the manifest presence of God, which means the tangible presence of God right here, right now. Not like God's everywhere, because he is, but God's right here, like right now. We sell short so much in the church world, the power and the importance of what happens when we faithfully gather together as a church. Because the Bible says where two or three are gathered, there God is right there in the middle of them. You're like, well, I just need two or three, I can do that at home. Well, fantastic, but here's what happens in the church. Where two or three are gathered and God shows up, God does something in those two or three, which makes those two or three wanna go out and become four or six, which then creates the same thing, which makes those four and six become 12 and 15. You can't be selfish about you and God. The church was never meant to be something that was self-containing. The church was supposed to be something that literally became an uncontrollable pandemic of God's love and favor for the world. And the moment that you think it's just about me and God, I can go into the woods and it's me and God, I'm having church. I can go to the golf course and have church. I can drive around and have church. No, you can't. And I'll argue that all day. And I'll hug you too, it'll be cool, we're friends. But if two or three are gathered and the presence of God is there, how much more does it intensify when there's five, 10, 15, 20, 100, 500, 1,000? Hear people all the time, man, that church just got too big for me. Well, that's because your faith got too small for you. I'm sorry. Listen, there have been folks, and I love you. If this is you, I ain't hating on you. You're fine, we're good, we're good. But you came here because another church got too big. Listen, don't get too comfortable. Don't get too comfortable. Because our heart is a church. And, and, I, and I hope and I wish that every church has this heart. I, I wanna say they do, I don't know. But for us, our heart is that we're not gonna stop until every single person knows Christ. And I don't mean knows about him. I mean knows the reality of his forgiveness and of his love and of his grace and of his mercy. This is great that we have a beautiful service together, but we're gonna need to have two. We're gonna need to have three. We're gonna need to have another place. And it's, you hear what I'm saying? It's not because, hey, pat a pastor on the back, their church is growing. 
It's the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is to uncontrollably expand. God is a God of multiplication, not a God of, of, of stagnation, not a God of addition, and not a God of subtraction. He's a God of multiplication. And church, I'm telling you, we've got to empty ourselves and fill ourselves with the word, fill ourselves with the presence of God. You can do that by yourself, but that ain't the only place. We need to do it together. I don't know about you, but not all of us are gifted with some of the same voices that we get to listen to on a Sunday. And those voices help me with the presence of God more than me hear my own voice. So when we're all together, hey, we can get away with that joyful noise. We can make it happen. And God is faithful and he shows up and healing happens in the presence of God. Forgiveness happens in the presence of God. Restoration happens in the presence of God. Come on, things happen here that may or may not happen anywhere else. So don't, listen, hear my heart. Don't allow yourself to fall into the lie that church is something that you can do when it's convenient for you to do. Hear my heart. This isn't about attendance. This isn't about who's here, who's not here. This isn't about who's faithful, who's not faithful. I'm just a pastor. My wife is the same way that wants to see you be everything that God created you to be. That wants you to be able to receive absolutely everything that God created you to receive. And it happens in his word, it happens in his presence, but it also happens in community. That's your home church. That's your home church. That's what this is, everybody needs a home. Everybody needs a home. Everybody needs a family. And families are already jacked up. Join this one. Because we know we're jacked up. And we're okay with that, God's faithful. All right, that's enough. I'm surprised I'm still able to talk, that's good. God's good, amen. Can I pray for you this morning? Come on, let's empty ourselves and let's not stay that way. Let's get ready to fill ourselves with what we know. Some of y'all gotta make some tough decisions this week because this message is gonna work on you. Listen, it's okay. Don't be afraid, be strong and courageous. God is with you. What if there's gonna, you know, what if I start, stop hanging out with those folks and what if they start saying stuff? Be strong and courageous. God is with you. And you're not rejecting them. You're actually setting yourself up to be able to be a light for them. But sometimes you gotta empty yourself first. Fill yourselves with the right things. Some of y'all gotta stop. Listen, this is where I know it gets weird because you're like, oh, it sounds religious. It's about what I can and can't do. No. Some of y'all need to start thinking twice about the movies you watch, the music you listen to. Because listen, listen. There are, there are gates that God has created in your body that feed your soul. Your eyes, your ears, your mouth, the things that you touch. The thing. And we, we kind of look past that. We're like, oh, this is just natural stuff. It's okay. I can go, I can go see that. I can listen to that. I can, I can hang out with this. It doesn't affect me. And it does. It may not affect you on, a, on an outdoor obvious perspective, but it sure as heck is impacting your heart. The Bible tells us that what comes out of us originates in our heart. So if we are filling our heart, the vessel of our heart, with the things that are going to produce the life of God, then guess what's gonna come out of us? Those very things. So it's not religious, it's not about rules and regulations, but it is about saying, God, I'm gonna be set apart. I'm gonna be holy, not holier than thou. Y'all have seen that, right? But I'm gonna be holy, which just means I'm set apart for something different. When we get saved, we're supposed to be different. We're not supposed to fake it. We're just supposed to realize I'm not who I used to be. So God, will you help me? 
because I'm not sure I know how to not be what I used to be. God, help me be a brand new person because God wants to put new wine inside of you. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.